Somebody out there, podcast land, you set you down once again to Combat Sports with Rhino, episode 91. So I don't bury the lead because I tend to do. I am super excited about this one. Joining us today, going 10 rounds with Rhino towards the end of the show, UFC Bantamweight, Chin of Granite, Chris Solis Moutinho. Oh my gosh, I'm so stoked. It's a great interview. I hope you guys stick around and check that one out. So our intro and schedule is as follows. Fight fam, we'll be starting out with some coverage of the returning, the freshly returned Dana White Contender Series from Tuesday. A full recap of UFC Vegas 36. The return of Drea's world-famous drop of the night. Drea's drop of the night. <laughs> some Q&A with the Rhino gang. And then the aforementioned UFC Bantamweight Chris Moutinho is going to go 10 rounds with me. It is super awesome. I hope you guys really stick around and check that one out. So, without further ado, let's get our swim trunks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in. So Dana White Contenders Series returned for its new season on Tuesday. Uh, the first fight was, man, we started off with a bang. We had A.J. Fletcher, the ghost, recent uh, interviewee on Combat Sports with Rhino versus Leonardo Damani. And A.J. Fletcher hit this beautiful flying knee in the first round, hit Leonardo square on the chin, put him down and out. Great win, and A.J. got the contract. Next, at 125 pounds, we had Carlos Candeliero versus Victor Altamirano. And this one was a close fight. Um, they ended up giving a split decision to Victor. Uh, both guys got a contract, which I believe they said was the first time in the history of the show where somebody who lost also got a contract in the fight. So very cool for them. Moving to 145 pounds, we had Diego Lopez versus Joe Anderson Brito. This one was a technical UD. There was an eye poke, which stopped the fight in the third. Uh, Joe Anderson did get the contract from Dana White. And then moving to 205 for our main event. We had Azmat Mirzikhanov versus Mateus Scheffel. Um, this one was a TKO in the first, a straight left, right hook combo. A little bit of GMP got the big win for Azmat, so he got a contract as well. So, lots of contracts given up, but you know, for this show, our favorite one was our guy, AJ the Ghost Fletcher, with that beautiful flying knee, Rhino Gang, Gang, Gang. All right, let's go ahead and get to UFC Vegas 36. Our first prelim was supposed to be Jonathan Martinez versus Nathaniel Wood, but we're... Uh, but Nathaniel Wood had to withdraw. So the first one in the cage was Marc-Andre Berriol versus um, Dalcha Lucambula. And this one was a fun fight. Lucha, or Dalcha, as in, give me a break. So Dalcha um, got a couple of takedowns in the first. It was a very close round. Marc-Andre Berriol uh, got right up from both of them, though. So that one really could have gone either way. I gave it to Dalcha. Uh, in the second, there was lots of throw, but not much landed, right? Dolce was throwing really hard shots. Mark andre was just kind of touching him up with jabs and uh, leg kicks and front kicks. Uh, in the second and the third, it was just really Mark andre really putting the pressure on Dolce, who was looking for that big counter, the big because uh, he's a big power guy, looking for a big kind of wide looping shot. Mark andre was just kind of tapping him and, you know, really putting the pressure on. So they gave the unanimous decision to Mark andre Berriot, which was the right decision, I thought. Uh, I think Dolce Lukimbula is a really good fighter. He's got a lot of potential. He's just got to uh, figure out how to not get pushed backwards, right? Because he's the bigger, stronger fighter. And then I think even DC said it. Uh, straighten out his punches some. But, man, very talented kid. Look forward to seeing them both back in the cage. Moving into 150 pounds, which was a catch weight, we had uh, Charles Air Jordan versus Julian Arosa. Air Jordan was landing the straighter, harder shots early, and then Arosa was coming back with the body work. There was a hard left hand that dropped Julian Arosa from Air Jordan. Uh, Arosa decided to take him down, a little bit of ground and pound, and then Arosa takes the back, slaps on the rear naked, or actually they call it the Bravo choke. 
um, which is kind of like a Darce, but a modified one on the other side. So he got the Bravo choke. Julian Arosa gets a submission in the third round over Charles Air Jordan. Big win for him. Moving at 135 pounds, we had Jack Shore, the undefeated Welshman, versus Ludwig Scholinan. Uh Jack's jabs early really set the tone. He had a takedown, so he kind of made Ludwig kind of have to guess what was going to happen. The whole fight was really, it was just Jack Shore was quicker. He was more accurate. Uh, and he hit harder. He outlanded Ludwig 95 to 25 over three. So he got the very clear cut unanimous decision in that one. Moving at 125 pounds for our feature prelim, we had Meatball Molly McCann versus G Young Kim. Molly was landing early, and then there was a big clash of heads, which seemed to drop her, take her legs off from underneath her. She recovered quickly. Kim had a 10 inch reach advantage and was using it pretty well. A lot of ones, like, a lot of ones and twos, and kind of getting out of the way. But Molly was not to be denied. She really was pressing forward, throwing kind of uh, hard winding shots and screaming and firing herself up. It was vintage meatball, very close fight. Molly McCann did get the unanimous decision in that one. Moving into our main card, we had 155 pounds. We had Luigi Vendermini versus the new addition, former Cage Warriors champion, Patty Pimblett. Early on, Luigi really hurt Patty. Hit him with a beautiful left hook. Seemed to take his legs off from underneath him. There was lots of kicks by Patty early that were being thrown, but not much landed. Uh, and then, boom, Patty Pimblett landed a huge combination against the fence. Drops and stops Luigi. Big TKO in the first for Patty Pimblett in his UFC debut. Moving into 205, we had Khalil Roundtree versus Modestus Bukowski. So this one was this one was hard to watch. Like I'm a huge Khalil Roundtree fan. Uh, in the first round, it was all Khalil, you know, pushing Modestus back, uh, throwing hard shots, landing Modestus, trying to keep moving. And then, boy, this one was, again, hard to watch. Khalil landed a beautiful, hard oblique kick to Modestus' left leg and seemed to completely buckle underneath him. He screamed. He fell down. He fell out. The referee stopped the fight. TKO in the second for Khalil Roundtree due to oblique kicks. So, wow. We have a little question about that. There was a lot of <laughs> that has become a hot topic of debate, uh, the oblique kick. So we'll be discussing that a little bit later in the Rhino Gang QA. Moving then to 170 pounds with Alex Morono versus David Zawada. A couple of hard early rights for Morono, not too much from David in the first round. In the second, Zawada was putting in some good body work. Um, more more of the Morono jab was really starting to take place. And then really in the third, we had a takedown for Morono. Zawada got right up, but Morono started to pull away in the strike count. Nothing was, like, catastrophic, you know what I mean? There was nothing that was a, a near knockout, really, per se. But Morono really controlled the fight, controlled the first and the third especially. So he gets a big unanimous decision over David Zawada. Moving into our co-main event, we had what is probably the most exciting heavyweight prospect I can think of in the last several years. Big Tom Aspinall versus Sergey Spivak, who was actually taking the fight on very short notice. You know, they were kind of uh, feeling each other out, so, you know, some jabs, and they were kind of walking around, and then they got inside. Tom Aspinall landed a beautiful knee, followed by a right inside elbow, which split open Sergey, dropped him. Uh, Tom jumped on for a little bit of ground and pound, but it was almost unnecessary. Sergey Spivak was done. Big win in the first round for Tom Aspinall. Um over Sergey Spivak, but again, Sergey was taking that fight on pretty short notice. I'm looking forward to seeing what Tom Aspinall does next or who they match him up with next. That's going to be awesome. Moving into the main event, we had Derek Brunson versus Darren Till. Uh, Darren Till was looking good early. He landed a couple sharp lefts. Then Derek Brunson got that nice, swift, hard double leg takedown. Pretty much stayed on top the rest of the time. A little bit of ground and pound. In the second round, there was lots of clinching early. Derek Brunson then got another takedown. 
Uh, and then a big knee from Tilda Brunson on his body seemed to hurt Derek, right? Darren was trying to follow it up with some more shots. Uh, Derek Brunson took the opportunity of Darren Till kind of losing focus, got another takedown, takes the back, got the rear naked choke on, submission in the third round for Derek Brunson over Darren Till. That one was um, that was a really great performance by Derek Brunson. So, yeah, that's our recap of UFC Vegas 36. Drea, let's go ahead and get into your world-famous drop of the night. Okay, well, my drop of the night uh, comes from yesterday's UFC card from Aspinall versus Spivak. On the first round, Aspinall throws a knee and then his nasty inside elbow from the clinch that just dropped Spivak. Uh, And then he finished him with with the ground and pound. But uh, it was a beautiful Muay Thai type of finish that I love so much. So my drop of the night goes to Tom Aspinall. And a great job of the night it is indeed. Now, Dre, we do not have picks because there is no UFC next weekend. But if we Correct. were to make picks, let's hear about the best way we could do that with our buddy Ashwin and the Fight Forecaster app. Speaking of picks, we all love to make them. But let's get real for a second. The sport of MMA is unpredictable. If anyone says they know for sure how a fight is going to go, they are either lying or delusional. Many of the best fights in history are the ones where the unexpected happens. And as we all know, the unexpected happens all the time. No pick'em or prediction app accounts for this unpredictability or even allows the forecaster to acknowledge that uncertainty is a real thing until now. We've got Fight Forecaster, fam. Fight Forecaster rewards its users for being precise in their predictions. You get the most points for picking the round, winner, and method, a decent amount of points for picking just the winner and method, and a small amount of points for picking just the winner. How confident and precise you want to be is completely up to you. Let's be honest, even the most hardcore fans don't know everything about every fighter. Don't we want to be a little bit safer in making our predictions? I know I do. With Fight Forecast, you can guarantee yourself points if you play it smart, whether you know the fighters or not. But it's always a lot better if you do, isn't it? The app is available on the App Store and Play Store and is absolutely free. If at some point you have any questions, suggestions or concerns you can dm the man in charge of fight forecaster ashwin at o-m-n-i-s-h-w-i-n on twitter directly he will do his best to help you out so please folks check out the fight forecaster app cswr's proud sponsor all right Dre. so now we are going to get into our twitter questions i know our first one comes from the big homie raging sweet potato from up in canada way raging sweet potato what do you got this week dude With how fast MMA has evolved over the last 25 years, are the fighting skills of superheroes such as Batman, Nightwing, Iron Fist, and Daredevil now nearly obsolete and in serious need of updating? Or do the mysteries of the traditional arts still have a place in modern comics? So, first of all, great question, as always, my friend. So, when it comes to the movies, like, I'm lucky that I'm able to like still suspend disbelief, right? When it comes to a movie like a that has like a fantasy, right, where it's a, a superhero or a you know could be like a medieval wizard or something like that, like I can I can suspend disbelief when I'm watching a movie like that. Now, when a movie is sports based, whether it's like Warrior, where it's MMA based, or uh, Here Comes the Boom or Rocky and things like that, like now we know the curtain has been pulled back, the wool has been taken away from our eyes. We know that like one or two of those shots that land in the movies that are like for dramatic effect, they would knock somebody clean out and possibly knock their jaw off of their face. So it's, it's, it's one of those deals where when it comes to superhero movies and fantasy movies, I could totally just kind of 
lose myself in them and buy the fact that whatever they're doing is is just for the movies and it's make believe. But when it's sports based, I have a real hard time watching him like a guy take incredible spinning, you know, heel kick to the face and he just kind of takes it. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, dude, there's there's the um there's the difference for me. The fantasy movies I can still buy it. The sports based or the reality type of movies I it looks pretty hokey and silly to me. So RSP, great question, my dude. All right, let's move into our next one, which comes from the homie Ty Fly Guy. Ty, what do you got, buddy? Uh, so Ty Guy asks um, you and I this question. With the UFC getting closer to the end of the fight year, which title fight <clears throat> that has been announced or is in the works are you looking most forward to? Also, which non-title fight that has been announced or is in the works are you most excited for? So I'll go ahead and lead us off. I'm going to go second question first. The okay. non-title fight that I'm most looking forward to is Lawler versus Nick Diaz, too. That was a <laughs> UFC 266. I've been a major fan for both both guys for like 15 years, dude. I am so stoked to see how Nick looks after all this time away. Robbie Lawler, I think, is going to be extra motivated for this one. And a motivated Robbie Lawler is a scary Robbie Lawler. So, yeah, the first non-title fights that have been announced, definitely Nick Diaz and Robbie Lawler, too. As far as title fights that are on the books, I am 100% most looking forward to UFC 268. The headliner welterweight title fight between Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington. I'm really hoping for another dominant beating from Kamaru. I want Colby to have more broken bones in his face. I want, I want Kamaru just to stomp and smash him from start to finish so there is no more. You got lucky. There is no more. I'm going to win this time. No more of that shit. Colby Covington will be forced humble pie, and he will not be able to talk shit again. We have any, at least have any validity to it. So yes, Kamaru Usman versus Colby Covington. That's my answer on the second question. What do you got for those ones, Drea? I'm over here just laughing because you picked the exact same ones that, <laughs> that, I, that I'm most looking forward to. Uh, same thing with the title fight. I, I'm really looking forward to uh, putting an end to that Colby Usman. Uh, you know, you got lucky type thing. And I'm really hoping for more of an Usman Masvidal KO fashion uh, <laughs> style finish oh, for, for Usman uh, <clears throat> to get that finish over Colby. And then same thing. I'm I'm just really looking forward to Nick Diaz getting back in the back in the ring for a long time. I didn't think that was going to happen. So I'm really looking forward to his return just three weeks away at 266 and i will be in attendance so i'm excited yes you will that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's so cool dude that's so fun yeah so though ty great questions my friend thank you very much all right i know our third one comes from my homie the doc doc what do you got this week dude i've seen mixed reviews on the early start time for yesterday's ufc card rhino how do you feel about them so, Doc, to be honest, it depends, bro. Like, normally I like them, like, especially, and here's why. <laughs> so, I really like an early card. It's very cool. I can get my show done. I can, you know, really pay attention. It usually works out very well. And then, like, nine times out of ten, when there's an early card for the UFC, there is boxing on afterwards. Like, almost every time there is a, you know, like a Canelo fight or a Bud Crawford fight, something that I really want to watch there. There was not that last night. So, I wasn't stoked last night for the early card but in general i am and big shout out and there's also a shout out to them later big shout out to all our friends from across the pond who have to stay up so late so often to watch their favorite ufc fights so 
I'm glad that they were able to get, you know, get one in earlier than they normally do. So normally I like it because usually there's boxing to watch after last night. I wasn't super stoked on it because there was no boxing to watch. So, uh, Drea, what's your thoughts on that? You live in California, so you're like even three hours behind me. So I was done. I think they were done for us on Eastern time at like 630 or so. So you would have been done at like 330. Well, how do you feel about the early card? Well, I have mixed feelings on it. Uh, Same thing like you. It's kind of nice to have them finished early because then you have, you know, all the time in the evening to get stuff done. Or if there's another fight card on um, like boxing or something, then you're not bouncing back and forth because that's what I tend to do. If there is like a big boxing card on, I'm bouncing back and forth between UFC and boxing. So that's always a good thing. But um, it was kind of nice to to get up and I'm like, I get up and I'm like, oh, wait, there's fights coming on shortly. And it, you know, it's pretty awesome. But like you said yesterday, um, wasn't a whole lot going on after the fights. So it was just kind of, it was all right. Yeah, I ended up watching, um, <laughs> I ended up rewatching more episodes of Letterkenny, which I've seen every season, every episode, like three times but it still makes me laugh so that ended up being all right yeah so all right dre that's going to conclude our writing questions we've got several voice questions so our first one comes from the homie juice from the friendly sparring pod juice what do you got this week dude what's up rhino and the rhino gang it's juice from the friendly sparring podcast rare boxing question for me uh, last week, uh, or what feels like last week, maybe it was two weeks ago, Amanda Serrano picked up a nice win over Yamileth Mercado. Um, Amanda is maybe one of the best fighters for this podcast because she's got an extensive boxing record and uh, has an MMA record. She's 2-0 and and 1, both those wins coming via submission, interestingly enough. Um, but I want to talk about a potential matchup with her and Katie Taylor. I know this has been kind of float around the boxing community it's one of those like you know i don't want to say dream fights but one of those ones that people really want to see and they happen to be two boxers that i i know <laughs> and it's uh, a matchup that i'd very much like to see because i'm a fan of both ladies and katie taylor just picked up a nice win today so what do you think my man how does this fight go and will we see it peace yeah, dude, Amanda Soriano versus Katie Taylor, or, or for those of us who don't know, Katie Taylor is a 19-0 uh, multiple belt holder at women's lightweight, which is 132 pounds. And then Amanda Serrano is 41-1. and She's a featherweight, which is 126 pounds champion, uh, both of them of multiple sanctioning bodies. So now that we've got that straight, I think Amanda is a stronger puncher. I think she is naturally a smaller person, but she's also quicker. I also think she's fought better competition in the pros, especially. So if and when that fight happens, which I don't know if it will, I'm hopeful, right? Because they're two really, really good fighters close in weight. I hope it does happen. I'd love to see it. I've got to give Amanda Serrano the edge in that one. I think she will get a very late stoppage. And I mean like 10th, 11th, 12th, and not from one single punch, but I think the accumulation would either have cuts all over Katie Taylor or swelled up or just unable to continue. So yeah, I got Amanda Serrano beating Katie Taylor if and when they do fight. So, Juice, with your rare and incredible boxing question, shout out to you on that one, bro. If you guys haven't already, of course, check out Juice and Lee on the Friendly Sparring Pod. Thank you, Juice, Juicy Fruit. Bye-bye. All right, let's go into our second one, which comes from the big homie, Jim Asun. Jim, what do you got this week, dude? What's going on, a bunch of fucking casuals? Rhino and Rhino gang. Hope you all doing well. Quite a few this week is... Uh, Obvious one, probably you're going to get 500 of these, but uh, what's next for Till? <laughs> like, come on, man. 
he tapped before that fucking choke was even sunk in all the way. Let's be honest. The moment he spelled that fucking thing around his throat, he was tapping. He just put his hand up in the air and just waiting, waiting, waiting. Tap, 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 tap. It's like, come on. Anyhow, that's my question for you this week. Keep up the great work. You know we love the show. And it's always 420 kids. Peace. So I think Darren Till has to slide down the ladder a little bit, but not like incredibly far, right? So I'm going to throw a couple names that I think make sense for Till for his next fight. First, Uriah Hall. Both guys coming off losses. Both want to keep their, they both want to keep the fight standing, right? So it'll be exciting for us as who would watch it. I, I like that matchup size-wise. They're comparable. They both have a lot of experience. I, I just think that'd be a good fight. So my first pick is Uriah Hall for Darren Till next. And secondly, for a lot of the same reasons, Calvin Gastelum, I know he's lost a lot in his last five or six. I know that. But he's still a really competitive guy, can be competitive with anybody. Um, a very strong left hand, good wrestler. I think that would also be a a good fight for Darren Till and a good fight for the fans and would make sense. Plus, Darren Till would have a little bit of a size advantage there, which I know he likes to have, which is why he fought at 170 for so long when he probably should have been up at 85. So, yeah, either Uriah Hall or Calvin Gaslam are my two answers on that one, which I think would make for exciting fights that would make sense within the division. So, Jim, thank you so much, buddy. We're so glad to have you back on the TL. Appreciate the question, my dude. All right, and our third one comes from the homie D-Crons. D-Crons, what do you got this week, brother? Hey, Rhino, my brother. That was a fun afternoon of fights that I almost missed because they were on early. Shout out to all the UK fans that watch it at 5 in the morning. Uh, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on, uh, like, Khalil Roundtree's oblique kick. He looked great, by the way. But um, what techniques do you think should stay or go? I hear there's some fighters calling for the oblique kick to be banned. But, I mean, there's like the 12-6 elbow that should definitely be available for fighters to use. So I just wanted to hear your thoughts on what technique should stay or go and why. Love you. Love you, Rhino Gang. Have a great day, everybody, Rhino Gang Gang Gang. <clears throat> so, right, we talked about this a little bit earlier. This was a very hot topic of discussion, and... I really, I've really gone back and forth on it. Now, I'm not usually, I like to tease Dre about being a flip-flopper. I'm usually pretty, <laughs> like, sure about what I mean and what I feel and what I think about things. But this one has given me a little bit of problems, Dre, the whole controversy on the oblique kick, right? Me I too. can totally yeah, see too. both sides of the fence on this one. I agree with people who are like, oh, it should be, it should be uh, taken away or it should be outlawed, you know, it should be an illegal technique because it's so devastating and it's cheap and it's dirty. Like I can see what they're saying and why they're saying it. But I also see the other side of the fence, which was, look, this is fighting. This is mixed martial arts. This is violence personified. This is a sport where you should be able to kick the other guy in the leg and whatever happens happens. And if you have a technique like that, that's so devastating. The other it's on the onus is on the other person to figure out a defense for that technique, right? To not let it, uh, be so devastating, whether it's picking your leg up or whatever the case, right? So it, it's one of those deals where I was like, fuck, I'm back and forth, but I have come to a decision, at least for today. I'm not saying I will. I will I'm not going to pull a Dre and flip-flop down the road, but right now I'm saying keep the oblique kick in, keep it legal, keep it as it is. The, the, the ones that I know for sure that should still be off of the list are punching or strikes to the back of the head for sure should be off. Any po eye poking or any you know anything to the eye, any fish hooking, right? Any groin shots, small joint manipulation, those are all still illegal. They should stay. 
I am again. I am leaning towards. There's probably one or two that I'm not remembering right now, but I, I am leaning towards keeping it as a legal technique to do the oblique kick, and then you know you just got to be ready to defend it. To be honest, I don't know, Dre. Do you have an opinion on that one too? Um, I'm kind of back and forth on it too. The the thing that just for me is all that kick does is try and take somebody's knee out, which is devastating. I mean, I know it's a fight game and you're trying to hurt the other person and, and end the fight, but it's hard for me to be okay with ending a fight and also taking that person's career from under them for like at least a year to, you know, to get repaired and hopefully be able to, to get back in. So that's, it's tough, but I, I agree. Um, it is a fight game and you just kind of got to prepare for the worst and that's, that's it but yeah it's not it's not i was one of those people that right when it happened i was just like oh that's dirty like you know i i sure. hate that kick but i get it i get it it's the fight game it's not an easy answer you know what i mean and like i said no, there is validity there is validity and there is there are there are well-made points to be made on both sides right like i do so but if i have to lean one way just you know for the question's sake I, i'm leaning towards keeping it legal keeping and it. keeping it in the uh yeah all right, Dre. So before we get into our 10 rounds of Rhino with Chris Moutinho, let's go ahead and get a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, Rhino gang. Are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey. How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? We'll look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. Oh, fight fan, we've got ourselves a very special guest going 10 rounds today. Joining me, UFC Bantamweight, Chris Solis Moutinho, thank you so much for joining us today, my friend. Yeah, man, thanks for having me on, and uh, let's let's do this, man. Let's do it. Hell yeah, dude. As we like to say on my regular part of the show, let's get our swim trunks and our flippy floppies on and dive right the fuck in, my brother. So, Chris, for the tenth round, ten rounds with Ryan, we love to get started in the first round by hearing like the background story dude everyone's always interested how you know people got into this crazy world of mma so what's kind of the origin story for you and how you got into mma dude yeah man it's 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 a pretty cliched story you know what i mean like i, I growing up like i was uh i was uh bullied a little bit you know what i mean i wasn't wasn't the biggest dude or the right most athletic most athletic dude so then i found wrestling in high school and it gave me my confidence and, and, um, 
made made me basically got me through high school you know what i mean made me change my whole life and then after that i was kind of lazy doing all the normal young kid stuff drinking too much partying with friends and i really had a, didn't have a goal or an outlook on what i wanted my future to be and then my uh, first coach george rivera who fought in the ufc for 10 plus years you know what i mean he ended up opening up a gym in my hometown and then that was it dude that was my life from there on out el conquistador correct yeah, the conquistador. Yeah, man. yeah, dude, I remember that, bro. Uh, so, Chris, the whole world of MMA became familiar with you on July 10th, 2021. You had a super late notice step up fight with uh, UFC veteran Sugar Sean O'Malley. Can you kind of walk us through that process, dude? Like, how'd you find out? Um, what was your reaction? What were you feeling? Can you kind of kind of walk us through that whole process of once you, how do you found out and like how that whole thing came to be? Yeah, for sure. So, like, I had a fight scheduled for uh, Cage Fury um, August 14th for their 135-pound title. And then uh, Sean O'Malley, right at that time, Sean O'Malley, um, his opponent fell out. He was thinking he was fighting, supposed to be fighting Louis Smolka. And he fell out, so then he started, like, going on his in- Instagram and all that stuff. And he, they were looking for an opponent, and my manager was hit me up, and he was like, Hey, man, it's a long shot. You want to just throw your name in there? It's maybe it might be your only shot to get in or faster way to get in. And we were like, yeah, of course, just throw it in. A couple of days later, still hadn't heard nothing. Didn't really think I was going to get get the get the shot. Then he my manager hits me up and he's like, yeah, man. So usually if they didn't take you, they would have told us that the fight was already booked or something else. But they took your name. They're going to still look at you. So you made it past the first basic round of cuts. You know what I mean? So then five minutes after that, I guess he he posted it on his twitch or whatever so i was getting dms from random people telling me i was gonna die i was gonna get killed and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, oh yeah i'm gonna get knocked out i had like a thousand dms and and it was like crazy because i still haven't heard yet and then five minutes after that my manager calls me and tells me dude you you made it bro you got it and it was it was the, it was it was it was overwhelming, man. It was that is that feeling of just knowing that all the all the hard work that you made and everything that you wanted and everything you dreamed for is finally come true, man. So I didn't really have words. I couldn't couldn't calm down. I was running around my house like a psychopath. So I'm just, <laughs> I'm, just I'm just happy. I'm I'm just happy and blessed to be here, man. And now it's just time to now it's time to make this dream a reality, you know. Absolutely, dude. Now, I know you've already heard it umpteen amount of times, but, you know, it's a pleasure and honor to talk to you because we're we're literally, we have you on and you had one of the greatest displays of heart, toughness, grit I I have ever seen. I've been watching fights for over 30 years and that was just incredible. When you look back at that fight and you watch it, do you see what we are all talking about? Like for you being from a firsthand experience, do you see the performance that you put on, how so many of us were just in awe of how like how much courage it took, how much toughness, and how much fucking intestinal fortitude that you showed. Like, does that does that resonate with you when you watch it back as well? Uh, to an extent, man. Like, I knew that was I knew that I had that. You know what I mean? I knew I had a dog in me. The people I was brought up around all all the dogs like that. You know what I mean? I have I could show you fifty dudes around where I'm at that could do that same thing. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, to an extent, I see, I see what see what everybody's saying, man. But I'm still, it'll never be good enough for me. You know what I mean? I wanted to win. I'm always gonna want to win, man. A loss is never gonna sit right inside my heart and everything else. And I'm, I'm happy. Maybe, maybe down the road when I'm, when I'm an old man, I get to look back and say, maybe tell my kids one day that, yeah, all right, I'm, a, I'm a, I'm a tough, tough bastard. You know what I mean? But yeah. right now, 
I'm a, I'm a competitor. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very competitive person, man. I can, I can turn, turn checkers into a war. You know what I mean? So it's, <laughs> it, it, it is what it is, man. I'm never going to be super happy about it, but it, it got me, it got me some money. It got me the ability to do this like like a professional a real professional now i was used to used to just being a freaking guy at work a full-time job and having to train once a day now i can actually train like a professional and and do my job and now i get to go out and put on a show again so that's that's all i care about right at the moment absolutely dude and you know social media was on fire after that night uh some people saying it was a good stoppage others saying that you should have been allowed to continue and get that last 30 seconds in, you know, or whatever it was, 30, 33 seconds, whatever. So now that the smoke is kind of cleared and, we, you know, you've had some time to reflect on it, what is your stance on that? Like, when you watch it back, you're like, okay, I can see why the referee stopped the fight or, or what the fuck was he doing? I had already gone through this incredible, you know, fight and this incredible um, tough contest. Why wouldn't you just let me finish that last, you know, 30-odd seconds? Like, do you, have a, do you have, like, a strong opinion on it now? Yeah, I, I have the same opinion I had that that night you know what i mean it's i don't really doesn't really matter anymore but i have the same opinion like if you were going to stop the fight to save my head you would have done it a round and a half before you know what i mean so sure. it's like with 30 seconds left it's not much more like you keep hearing it i hear it this kid keeps keeps talking about me every podcast he goes on he's like like in love with me or something because he keeps saying that he would oh 30 seconds he would have knocked me out or or this and that and i'm like if you didn't knock me out 14 and a half minutes earlier you're not gonna knock me out with 30 seconds left so it, it is it is what it is man i can't i'm not gonna ever bash herb dean he's a professional he's one of the best uh referees if maybe he saw something i didn't maybe that 30 seconds was un, uh, too much for him to to keep watching but i th i think i should have been able to keep going i think i should have been able to finish my fight like the only thing that made me mad because i'm not delusional i'm not a delusional person i'm not gonna sit here and be like i would have knocked him out in that last i would have hit landed a punch maybe but probably not i was probably gonna lose that fight by decision but i just feel like they gave him something that he didn't earn and that's that's my problem with it that's what made me mad i i worked my butt off i i came forward i was still swinging punches whether i was taking shots or not i wasn't just standing there taking taking blows so it is what it is man now it's on to the next fight and we, we got we got we got a lot of a lot of new tools to, to show the world absolutely dude and we actually have a question that's going to tie in perfectly to what you just said but let me get this one in first so i've had a ton of guys from your area of the world, the Northeast, Joe Gennetti, Mike Rodriguez, Randy Costa, Jorgen DeCastro. I mean, that's just a few. I mean, I probably had a dozen or more guys from Massachusetts or from the New England area on. And almost all of you to, to the T have fought for CES. The CES organization is one of the premier regional promotions in MMA. And so many of you guys who are now at the top level of MMA have gone through that. Can I just kind of ask you what your you know, your experience was like coming through the CES. And do you think that was a major reason or something that prepared you for this level of MMA? Yeah, man, it was, it was, they were, they were fairly good to me. You know what I mean? They were very good to me and they gave me, got me a bunch of fights. And of course it's all the experience, all the, all the hard fights that they got me, man. I fought some of the best fighters on, on for them. I fought for their world title against, guy who was killing in the UFC, Tony Gravely and guys like that. So it was all lessons and, and learning. And it's, there's, it's like any other, 
any other thing, man. That it's a, still a promoter. It's still a business. They're still trying to make money. So there's good days and bad days with with all these things. But they without them, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. You know what I mean? That there was I had 13 fights out of the UFC, and like 12 of them were for them. So I owe them. I owe them a lot, man. Getting getting me getting me the fights and get to getting me to this point. And um, I have nothing bad to say about CS. Hope it, hope hope their shows continue to grow and they become one of the big, biggest the biggest shows they're big in new england and they're growing every every day man so i i appreciate all of them absolutely dude so october 23rd is your next ufc appearance you've got a fighter named aaron phillips now you're gonna have obviously you're gonna have a very you have a full camp for this card you know what who will put you know you have, you could study for your opponent you can have all of the regular things that come along with training for a ufc fight what if anything do you think that we're going to see different out of soulless on October 23rd, having all that time to prepare and analyze and do all the things that you're going to sharpen up that we're going to be able to see you in the cage on that night. Yeah, um, there was there was just different things in that last fight that I I didn't show. You know what I mean? Shit, that stuff that I usually show. You know what I mean? I feign a lot more. I set up my shots. I'm not just charging at you and just swinging, man. So you're gonna see that, man. Like I'm not gonna pretend like this this still isn't a fight. You know what I mean? I'm still fighting one of the best fighters around you know what i mean he made it to ufc he's still he's still a killer man everybody in the ufc like i used to be the one of the guys that with his envy and his calling these it's like it's like watching some dude watching football and calling an nfl player a bum when he you could never do anything that he does so this kid's obviously a killer man he's been in the ufc for a long time so you're just gonna you're gonna see you're gonna see you're gonna see all the things I didn't show in that last fight, man. You're not just gonna see heart and dedicate. You're gonna see everything, man. You're gonna see all my technical skills, my wrestling, my my striking, my head movement, all all that stuff that my feints, my setups. You're gonna see a great fight, man, and it's still gonna be a war. You know what I mean? That's who I am. I'm a, I'm a dog. I'm a I'm a bleeder, and I love I love to look for the blood, man. That's what that's what makes that's what makes fighting great. Uh, my job is not only to win; it's to put on a show and. I can't, I can't wait, man. I can't wait to, to go out there and uh, show the world who I am. Fuck yeah, dude. That fucking got me hyped up. I can't wait to see that. I was already stoked to see this fight. Now I'm like double. I bet you everybody else listening to this right now, they're going to be stoked. They're going to be stoked to watch that too. So uh, Soulless is one of those nicknames that really stands out amongst the others. Where does Soulless come from, dude? How long have you had that and who gave it to you? What's the story behind it? So it's like I, I like the nickname thing is like I don't really like when I go out to a fight nobody really I don't really put it out there. I was kind of just playing with stuff one day with my coaches and stuff and I'm like really into like anime and the old like Street Fighter Mortal Kombat stuff and I was like I, I was fucking around with uh Shang Sun and then that's kind of how it was. He was this this soulless demon king of 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 uh the other world or whatever in, in Mortal Kombat. And that's kind of how we played with it. And then we started making like pictures and memes and little things about it. And it was just, it just, it kind of just like stuck with it. Yeah. No, I think it's super cool, dude. I really like that one. Um, so bro, we're talking, when we get to the ninth round, we are always talking about food on my show. There, There is the ninth round, which is always kind of a fascinating look at if you've already won your fight, bro, and you've already, you know, let's say you've been training or had a camp for, let's just say, eight weeks, right? And you you have to cut down. You got to watch your weight. You got to watch what you're eating. But now you've already won the fight. It's time to really indulge, really get get down on your favorite thing to eat, like, after a fight. Like, so you're out with your friends. You're out with your family. 
what are you what are you noshing on that night, dude? What are you getting down on, and where are you getting it from? Yeah, it's I'm all I'm a disgusting, vile human being. Like same, all dude, it, same. This, oh, as soon as I'm done, it's, it's it turns into like cheesecake and McDonald's and 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 just anything that you could possibly that you should not eat. I'm eating like honey buns from the freaking Seven Eleven, dude. Like that. That that that's that's who I am. I'm I'm just I'm just horrible. So me and my girl like ramen. So we we've been going to like ramen little ramen spots and stuff like that too. So it's it's stuff like that. It's just it, yeah. It's just whatever you've been kind of missing out on during fucking camp. You're just gonna go pizza, and get whatever you get your hands pizza, on. Cake, cookies, any anything you can possibly think, man. I'm just stuffing in my face until I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm 160 pounds and I'm like, God damn. <laughs> better go hit the fucking track tomorrow right yeah, um, yeah dude no that's a fantastic answer i love it i think that's something that's one of the reasons why i think people love the ninth round as much because it just makes you seem like you know we we put people on a pedestal right that we see doing something that we love so much to watch and it just it's a it's a great way to show how everybody kind of has that thing too that it's just like the rest of us you know what i mean like when i was pro fighter dude i i was pretty meticulous about you know what i would eat but now i'm a, just like you i'm a I'm full team garbage human being as well, Chris. I gotta be honest with you. So, dude, we've careened our way into the tenth round, which is the easiest round of them all, Chris. You just you shared your social medias with everybody. What's your socials so we can follow you and keep tabs on you moving th- moving on throughout your career? We can all get on the soulless train and be riding with you for the rest of your career, dude. What are your, uh, what are all your social medias? Oh, for sure, man. Thank you. Um, my name uh, on on Instagram. You can follow me at Chris underscore is underscore soulless. You can follow me on on uh twitter which for some reason blew up which i'm never on you can go uh it's mutino chris my my facebook's just my name and guys i'm on like cameo i'm on everything now so just just hit me up man and, and uh show some love and let's 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 keep this train going man fuck yeah dude We're everybody in the rhino gang everybody out there check out chris on all the social medias we all know what kind of fighter uh, he he was in that first fight that we saw him. I can't wait till we can check out what you're bringing to the table in your next one. Again, he is fighting Aaron Phillips on August 23rd on UFC Fight Night. Chris, we are all super stoked to watch you. We were so impressed with you the first time. I know it's going to be even better the next one, dude. We wish you nothing but success and luck, bro. And thank you so much for joining us today, my friend. No, I appreciate you, man. Thank you for having me. Hey, guys, this is Chris Solis Mutino, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. Holy shit, that was awesome, dude. Chris Moutinho, I mean, he had the whole world buzzing after that fight with Sugar Sean O'Malley. Took it on short notice, showed one of the best chins we possibly have ever seen, particularly at 135. What a great guy. What a, what a humble and, and hardworking, tough, gritty kid. Really enjoyed having him on. It was great to get to know him better. Shout out to Chris Moutinho. The Rhino Gang is riding with you for sure in your next fight, my dude. So let's go ahead and get into our shout-outs and our outros for the forum contributors. First, the Rage of Sweet Potato, Juice for the Friendly Sparring Pod, our homie Jim Asun, Ty the Fly Guy, my homie the Doc, our boy D. Kranz from up in Canada Way, of course, to the Filthy Casual, Brat, Cyrus King, Pokemama, Miss Fight Diva, Ashley, formerly the MMA nerd, <laughs> all the ladies of the PRG, the homies at Unmatched MMA, the Rhino Gang GC homies, Rhino Gang Gang, to my dude Mike Morgan, Marquise from Weak Sauce Radio, uh, all of our family over there at Underdog MMA, to our girl Echo, 
everybody else who listens and is a part of this show week in and week out, we cannot tell you how much we appreciate it. We've gotten some great feedback and some great stuff going on behind the scenes. We really want to say thank you and how much we enjoy all your guys' support. Of course, to Ashwin from Fight Forecaster, our sponsor. Shout out to you, buddy. To Dre, the feature player. To D-Range, the best engineer in the biz. To the Einstein of Grab and Design, Dave Fretz, another example of his incredible poster making. Oh, my gosh, Dave Fretz. You knocked it out of the park with this Chris Moutinho again, dude. Thank you so much for that one. We hope you guys are kind to each other this week. We know there's still a lot of bad stuff going on in the world, but be kind to each other. Uh, talk to your neighbors. Say hello. Be a good friend. Call up somebody you haven't talked to in a long time. Forever and ever, Black Lives Matter, and we will see you next week. Gates! Yeah,